Well, we've been doing this series called Forgotten Virtues. Forgotten virtues, and it's been kind of like a treasure hunt where we're just walking through the scriptures and we're we're looking for some of the things that maybe we forgot, and and we figure if we could just if we could just pick up a virtue here and there and start applying it to our lives, we could literally change our world, at least our part of it. And so we've looked at things like humility, honor, loyalty, and today we're going for this forgotten virtue called integrity. Integrity. Uh, if you Google integrity, this is the way Mr. Google. Uh, defines integrity, the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles, moral uprightness. Number two says the state of being whole and undivided. And that's Google's definition. Over the years, I've heard preachers define it in a number of ways. Uh, someone says this, integrity is who you are when no one is looking. It's a pretty good, pretty good definition of integrity. It's who you are when no one is looking. Somebody else said it this way, integrity is when your behavior matches your beliefs. It's when, it's when your behavior matches your beliefs. Uh, another person said this, integrity is a life with nothing to hide. A life with nothing to hide. And kind of my definition of integrity is, integrity is pureness of heart before God and man. It's pureness of heart before God and man. We could spend all day defining integrity, but as with all virtues, they are better experienced than explained. Uh, we've all encountered a person with integrity. Every one of us has. You've, you've had an interaction either at work or at church or in the community or in your family, and, and you just walk away from that interaction knowing that was a person of integrity. How many's ever experienced that? You, you just knew it. That's just, just a person of integrity. But on the other hand, we've also encountered a person with a lack of integrity. And when you walk away from that encounter, you just go, mm, I just need a shower. Come on. How many's ever experienced somebody? Else? Yeah, yeah you, you've experienced that, right? You just like, you don't have to necessarily even put it into words. You just feel it. You have just experience that. So this morning we're going to get into an Old Testament Bible story that really has three main characters. The, the first guy is Naaman. Naaman is a, he's a, a commander, he's second in command to the king of the Syrian army. He's, he's not a Jewish guy, okay? He didn't worship the God of the Bible when we start the story, but he will before it's over. Uh, he was a very successful military leader, but this guy, Naaman, had a huge problem. He had leprosy. He had, a, he had a huge problem. He had leprosy. And he had gone everywhere trying to find a cure. He had gone to his king. He had gone to the king of Israel. Um, and I'm sure he had gone to all the doctors and, and probably tried everything out there, every product on the market, but he couldn't get cured. He's still dealing with leprosy. And then the, our second kind of main character is Elisha. Elisha is the prophet of God. He's known for performing a great number of miracles. And, and when he hears of Naaman's condition, he says, bring him here. Bring him to me. Bring Naaman to me. And then the third character is actually Elisha's servant. His name is Gehazi. He's Elisha's servant. It's safe to assume that Gehazi is kind of like a prophet in training. 
right? So he's, he's living with Elisha. They're probably bunking together. He's learning the ministry. He's probably carrying his Bible with him, well, his scrolls with him. You know, and he, he's probably, if, if Elisha needs anything, he's going and getting the sweet tea. Come on, somebody. He, he's, a, he's making the coffee in the morning, and he's watching, and he's learning the ways of the ministry. And, and if the pattern continues as it had in this time, Gehazi is probably in line to receive the mantle of the great prophet Elisha. Because if you remember anything about Elisha, he had received the mantle from the man of God he served from Elijah. That mantle had fallen upon him, and he actually did twice as many miracles as his predecessor, Elijah. So Gehazi is really in a good spot here. We believe that he could potentially be the next major prophet in the nation of Israel. So now we know kind of our characters, kind of three main characters. Let's get to the story. So Naaman travels to see Elisha, and, and Elisha does something a little different. He, he actually, after he said, send him to me, he actually said, but I'm not going to see him. He said, bring him here, but I'm not going to see him. Just give him these instructions. I want him to go to the River Jordan, and I want him to dip in the river seven times. That sounds strange, doesn't it? Like if you came to me for prayer, you came to the church for prayer, and, and we're like, oh, no, you, you don't understand, brother. We're not doing prayer up front today. You actually need to go over to, to the lake and dip seven times. How many of you say he's crazy? Right? He's crazy. You think I'm crazy. And so Naaman thought Elisha was crazy, and he's offended. He said, what are you doing, prophet? He said, when I came to see you, I thought you'd come out and wave your hand over me or say some kind of prayer over me. But, but Elisha said, no, I want you to go dip seven times. And, and, and Naaman is just so offended, he's not going to do it. But one of his servants, one of his servants said, hey, if this man of God would have asked you to do something hard, would you have done it? He gave it some thought and he said, yeah, I'd, I'd probably do it. He said, well, he's telling you to do something simple. Why don't you just trust him, believe him at his word, and go do something simple? And you know what? He finally obeyed. He listened to the voice uh, of, of the prophet, and he went and he dipped, and he came out uh, healed. I mean, it is a miracle. He came out healed, and he's so excited. And, and what's, what you and I can take from that is sometimes simple obedience can bring a miracle into our lives. Do you know God is not looking for our power he has all the power. He's simply looking for our obedience. And when God tells us to do something, we need to do it. Somebody say amen. That's all he's looking for. He's just looking for obedience. And so Naaman is healed, and he's so excited about it. He comes back, and he wants to thank Elijah by giving him a gift. Let's look at the scripture. 2 Kings 5 and verse 15. It says, and he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, and came and stood before him. And he said, indeed, now, watch this now, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. Now, often when we read this story, we get excited about Naaman being healed of his leprosy. But let me tell you, that's not the biggest story or not the biggest miracle in the story. The biggest miracle is this guy who's outside the covenant of Israel. He's not a Jew. He doesn't worship God. He worships false God. But now that he's had an encounter with the God of Israel, he proclaims, now I know there is no God except Jehovah. Can we give God praise today? There is no 
nobody like him. There's no other God before him, no other God beside him. He is high and lifted up. He is God Almighty. He's God all by himself. Nobody voted him into being God. There was no committee that appointed him as God. He is the great I am, and he's worthy of our praise. Verse 16, but he said, as the Lord lives before whom I stand. This is what Elijah says in response. Remember, he says, he says, here, let me give you a gift. You see, in his culture, when he's worshiping false gods, they had to pay for miracles. They had to pay for prayers to be answered. And so he didn't pay ahead of time, but he got his miracle. And so he brings with him a bunch of silver and two changes of clothes. And he looks to the man of God and he says, you know what? Let let me thank you. Let me thank you with this gift. But look at the integrity of Elisha. Elisha says, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Friends, There wasn't necessarily anything wrong with Elisha receiving this gift. It wasn't like God had forbidden him to receive the gift. But again, we have to understand what God was doing here. God was drawing this Syrian commander to salvation. And because Elisha is a man of integrity, he said, I don't want to do anything to taint this experience. I don't want to do anything to take away from the holiness of this moment. So you know what? You know what, Naaman? You keep your silver, you keep your clothes, and I want you to know, and I want everybody in your country to know that you cannot buy God, you cannot pay for his gifts. Naaman, he has healed you simply because of his goodness and kindness. Isn't that a beautiful picture of who our God is? And that's a beautiful picture of integrity that Elisha says, nope, I'm not, I'm not going to take anything from you. Unfortunately, <laughs> his servant Gehazi, not walking in the same integrity. Look at 2 Kings 5 and verse 20. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God said, look, my master has spared Naaman the Syrian while not receiving from his hands what he brought. But as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. Notice the difference. Two men of God in the same circumstance, same story. They're both there. They both see what's going on. One of them says, nope, I will not take anything from you. The other one says, I will run after him and take something from him. A lack of integrity is always fueled by selfishness. Say that again. A lack of integrity is always fueled by selfishness. Gehazi wanted something for himself and he ran to get it. The fact that he he ran just shows us kind of this really, you know, accurate word picture of how our flesh often pursues gratification. You ever just get to the point where you say, you know what? I want it and I want it now. Hot fudge Sunday. I want it and I want it. Bananas. I want it and I want it. Now, new car. I want it, but you can't afford it. It doesn't matter. I want it and I want it now. Just look straight ahead. No one will know I'm talking about you. 
right? But we all have flesh, and sometimes we just go after what we want when we want it, and that's what Gehazi did. Verse 21, so Gehazi pursued Naaman. And when Naaman saw him running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. Now watch what he says. My master has sent me. Lie, you lying dog. His master didn't send him. But he makes up a story and he says, Yeah, my master has sent me, saying, Here's what my master said. Indeed, just now, two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the mountains of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of garments. He makes up a story to cover his own greed, and, and then he makes it sound like it's a really worthy cause. He's like, hey, two preachers, kids. That's a sad story right there, right? Just starting off. You know what, PKs, they're bad news. Anyway, two preacher's kids have just come down from the mountains, and them, those poor kids are broke. They've been up there doing missionary work. They're broke. They got some old, rad, ragged, torn, tattered clothes. Could, do you happen to just have some silver? He knew he had it. And do you happen to just have two changes of clothes that we could, we could just bless these young boys who are just starting out in the ministry? Ah. Anyone feel like you need a shower? Like, that is just, oh, the man of God is lying to this baby Christian who just had this awesome encounter, and, and he's doing it just to get something from him. You see, he had rationalized in his mind. He knew Naaman had the money. Naaman had already planned to pay for his healing, so Gehazi's like, if I take something from him, what's the big deal? You know what a lack of integrity does? It makes everything gray. That's what a lack of integrity does. It makes everything gray. Without integrity, there's no moral clarity. There's no clarity. There are no clear lines of right and wrong. A lack of integrity will cause you to think so long that you confuse yourself. Anyone ever thought so long on something that you have confused yourself? Like at first glance, when you were trying to make a decision what you were going to do, it was, it was clear. It, 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 this is the right way, this is the wrong way. But you just kept thinking on it, and then you know what you did? You Googled it. And you found 1,800 opinions on it. Come on, you know I'm preaching good now. And then you texted three friends that you already knew would agree with what you thought on it. Come on, you know, you know you did that. I was one of the people you texted. <laughs> and then you're talking over with a friend. And before long, what was black and white has become 50 shades of gray. And now we're confused. That's, that's what a lack of integrity does. Confusion. If you're confused in your life about, I'm, I'm trying to make this decision, make this, not always, but many times, confusion is a sign of a lack of integrity. I like what James said. James said in James 3.16, For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. 
where self-seeking exists. Gehazi said, I will take something for myself. Where self-seeking exists, confusion in every evil thing are there. Verse 23, so Naaman said, he believes his story about the preacher's kids needing some new clothes. So Naaman said, please take two talents. And he urged him and bound the two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of garments and handed them to two of his servants and they carried them on ahead of him. And when he came to the citadel, he took them from their hand and stored them away in the house. He hid them. Everyone say he hid them. He hid them away in the house. Then he let the men go and they departed. The servant of this great prophet, Elisha, has just traded his integrity for some silver, for two pair of pants, and two polo shirts. Sitting here today, it would be easy for us to say, he's a jerk. Come on, just say it with me. He's a jerk. Come on, if you're listening online, just type in the chat right now. He's a jerk. He's just a jerk. It would be easy for us to say, he's a jerk, and we just did. But the truth is, he's made a series of bad decisions and there are going to be awful consequences for him to pay. But if we're honest this morning, sometimes we're the jerk. Welcome to Crossroads. We love you and we're glad to have you here, you bunch of jerks. <laughs> Come on, anyone ever been a jerk? Yes, it's so hard for some of you to admit. I will not raise my hand. You jerk. <laughs> He was a jerk, but sometimes we're the jerk. You see, a lack of integrity comes easy. It's our default position. It really is. That's why we've got to understand that living a life of integrity is, is it's a pursuit. You don't arrive there one day. It's a lifelong pursuit. We're tempted to compromise our integrity every day. The words of our mouth, that's an easy one, right? Often we're, we're tempted not, not to tell the truth or not to tell the whole truth or, or deceive somebody by just withholding a little bit of information. We're tempted with these words and these tongues, the thoughts of our heart. We're often tempted to compromise our integrity, the way we treat one another. We, we, we often don't treat one another the way we actually want to be treated. The way we do our jobs. How, how about being tempted to maybe steal some time at work? You know, I'm just going to surf the internet when I should be working. I used to have a friend, man, he would make me so mad because he lived right near where we worked and we worked together and he would come to work, clock in, go home and go back to bed, come back about two hours later. Ugh. I loved him, but he was a jerk. <laughs> Stealing. Come on, during COVID, you know it was tempting to steal toilet paper from work. You know it was. You know it was, and you justified it because you said it's an emergency. It's for the preacher's kids. <laughs> there are lots of ways we can be tempted to compromise our integrity. That's why we've got to be so intentional about pursuing it. Proverbs 22 and verse 1 says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver or 
gold. Gehazi didn't know this verse. I always try to share my struggles with you way more than my victories because the truth is I have way more struggles than I have victories. <laughs> I try to train our staff to do that when they're preaching. You know, n- nobody wants to hear about your victories. <laughs> Tell them about your struggles. That's because that's we, we're, we're all in this, you know, we're trying to follow Jesus the best we can. We're all walking the same walk. And in my house, if I say something that's not real becoming, doesn't sound real Christ-like, I'm not talking about cursing or profanity. I've never been involved in that. But, you know, just say something that's not, not the greatest. Here's what my kids will do. They'll look at me and they'll go, nice, pastor. <laughs> nice, pastor. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're like, oh, I need to, I need to reach for integrity. Nothing, nothing rebukes you quicker than your own kids doing it. Somebody say amen. So Gehazi has now lied. He's stolen silver. He's stolen clothes. He hides them in this house thinking no one's going to know. And now he goes back to work. But remember who he works for. <laughs> he works for the prophet of God. Look at verse 25. Now he went in and stood before his master. Elisha said to him, where did you go, Gehazi? Anyone remember the feeling of getting called to the principal's office in school? Has anyone ever gotten called to the principal's office? We're trying to, honestly, we're we're talking about integrity. Did anyone ever gotten called? I went to Catholic school. Sister Mary Stephen. Six foot two, 285 pounds. She was the principal of our school. When you got called to her office, there was a board waiting for you. You ever, do you remember that feeling? This is the feeling I get when I, when I read that Gehazi walks into Elijah. He's like, hey, Elijah, do you need some more tea and crumpets? And, and Elijah says, hey, Gehazi, where did you go? And Gehazi says, what, what, what do you mean? I, 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 I didn't go anywhere. Look at the verse that says, and he said, your servant did not go anywhere. Verse 26, then Elijah said to him, did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Anyone's hair standing up on the back of your neck right now? He knows. Elijah knows. Do you ever have someone in your life that you can't lie to? They just know. Like you can look them in the eye and like you're trying to lie, but you you know that they know. It should be an old country song. Mama knows, mama knows. Even when I think it doesn't show, mama knows. Elisha knows. And he looks at his servant, Gehazi, he says, Gehazi, where did you go? And he says, I didn't go anywhere. And Elisha said, did not my heart go with you when Naaman turned back his chariot to meet you. Yikes. And then he continues, is it time to receive money and to receive clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and female servants? He knew what Gehazi planned to spend the money on. And I believe what Elijah was saying to him is, Gehazi, if you had allowed God to bless you, he would have given you all those things in his time. 
Anyone ever made a really, really big mistake by getting ahead of God? Trying to do it yourself, trying to, well, God's not moving, I guess I will, and then get yourself in a big mess, I have. I believe that's what he was saying to his servant. He's saying, son, God would have given you all the things that you want if you would have just trusted him for his timing, but instead you stole them. And then look at verse 27. Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And he went out from his presence leprous as white as snow. Yikes. Why was his judgment so harsh? I don't know for sure, but we have to remember who we're dealing with here. Elisha, remember, had been that servant to Elijah, and that mantle had passed down, and Elijah had done twice as many miracles as his predecessor. The anointing that was on that mantle was growing and growing and growing, and if the pattern would have continued, and it makes perfect sense that it would Gehazi was in line to receive that anointing and maybe he would have done triple the amount of miracles. I mean, God had a plan for his life, but instead of staying true, instead of staying faithful, you know what he did? He compromised for some silver and some clothes. And now instead of you and I reading about Gehazi the prophet, we read about Gehazi the leper. He voided his destiny when he compromised his integrity. Remember, God was doing way more than healing Naaman. God was bringing salvation to Naaman. It was holy. It was beautiful. And Gehazi decided to come into that scene with lies and greed, and therefore his judgment was harsh. Friends, I could tell you story after story after story of men and women who compromised their integrity by stealing something, taking something that wasn't theirs, by getting into a relationship with somebody else's husband or somebody else's wife. By, I mean, we could just go on and on. We know the stories. And it's not like, oh, I I made a mistake, and okay, I, I won't do that again. Some mistakes that we make, actually, there are harsh, long-term consequences to those things. I've watched pastors, men of God, who had a great anointing upon their lives, throw it all away by stealing some money, by having an affair. They don't even serve God anymore. It's so sad. I know we want to come to church and feel good, and I'm going to tell you about the blessings of integrity in just a moment here, but I do have to encourage all of us, all of us, including myself, let's value, let's treasure integrity. Let's pursue it like it's precious because it is. Amen. Let's talk about the blessings of integrity for just a moment. How do do we apply this? In our lives. You see, most of us are not prophets of God, but if we are Christians, we also represent God to a world that may not know Him. I think that's what angered God more than anything about Gehazi. Gehazi was God, one of God's representatives to Naaman, this lost guy. And although we're not prophets, we are God's representatives in our community. 
Therefore, we've got to make sure we're living lives of integrity because we're reflecting the goodness of God. We've got to display that virtue. You know, when we talk about the blessings of integrity and how it can change our lives, integrity is really the foundation for intimacy. If we want to have healthy, good relationships, whether it's marriage, our kids, friendships, whatever it is, it's intimacy. That's what makes a good relationship. It's trusting someone enough to allowing them to get close to you, and they allow you to get close to them. Integrity is the foundation for that intimacy. Not only is that true in a relationship between you and I, but it's true in our relationship with God. When I'm living with a pure heart, not perfect, but pure Do you know, I can wake up in the morning and I can say, good morning, God. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. I I don't have to hide from his presence. When I'm living with a heart that's not divided, I'm not playing a game. I'm not being the hypocrite. Again, I'm not perfect, but I can walk into church and I can lift up holy hands and I can sing and I don't have to fear the presence of God. I don't have to be ashamed in the presence of God. When I'm living a life of integrity, there's nothing I have to hide from God. Listen, I can pray big, bold, powerful prayers when I'm living in integrity, but if my heart is condemning me because I know I'm playing there's no faith behind my prayers there's no confidence come on we've all been there there's there's no confidence but then we know you know what nope I messed up this week I'll mess up tomorrow I understand that but I am trying my best to 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 live that life of integrity then my heart's not condemning me and I have confidence before God That's one of the biggest blessings of walking in integrity. But also in our marriages, in our relationships. We all know what it's like to break integrity. When integrity is broken, intimacy vanishes. But when integrity is present, intimacy flourishes. It flourishes. You want to have a good marriage? (laughs) Be a person of integrity. But if your spouse sees you lying to other people, if your spouse sees you being fake, they're not going to trust you to let you in to the deep places of their heart because you're proving to them that they can't trust you. Sometimes if you want to have a good marriage, you want to have a good relationship, be a person who's striving after integrity. And then as that person observes you, they'll go, wow, I can trust them. And they'll allow you to come closer and closer and closer into their lives. Same thing with our kids. Our kids can see right through us. Nice, pastor. Right? Our kids can see right through us. And so if we want them to be people of integrity, we need, we, we need to model it. And that will generate respect. And let me just say something here, too. When we're training our kids to be people of integrity, when you know they're lying to you or you know they're deceiving you, don't just, don't just let that go. Now, you don't have to shame them. Shame is not a very good teacher, honestly. You don't have to shame them, but instruct them. And if you ask them something and they're, they're lying to you, say, honey, you're not telling me the truth. But let me tell you why it's important to tell the truth. Okay, we're, we're going to figure this thing out. We're going to do it together. But I'm telling you, use those teachable moments to instruct your kids. Because if, if, we, we, if we're lacking a, a virtue in our culture right now, it's integrity. <laughs> We almost expect people to lie to us, and we're shocked when we encounter integrity. It it should be the other way around. So here are some some real practical ways to apply integrity. Number one, be slow to speak. 
Be slow to speak. Don't just commit to things. We overcommit and then we can't, we can't, can't, can't keep our commitments. That's a, a lack of integrity. So follow through. Uh, John Maxwell says this. This is a good one uh, to keep integrity and practice integrity. Learn to say, I'm sorry. Go ahead, say it. Say it, I'm sorry. Don't say sorry. Sometimes we go up to someone and say, sorry, sorry for what happened the other night. That's a cop-out. Say, I'm sorry. Own it. It'll mean more to them, and it'll mean more to you. And listen, follow the Holy Spirit in the small things. Rocky, can you bring out our little prop here? I remember a number of years ago. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Is it a lack of integrity that he stole this from Shop and Safe? I don't know. I don't know. But <laughs> I have to return it. It'll think I'm a jerk. <laughs> A number of years ago, as, as I started trying to follow Jesus, I remember hearing Joyce Meyer, a Bible teacher, and she talked about the shopping cart, the integrity of the shopping cart. And she said, if you want to become a person of integrity, when you're done with the shopping cart, put it back. <laughs> wow, look at it. You guys never clap so hard for anything. Thank you, Joyce. <laughs> Wish I could have come up with these things. All right, let's take, take it one further. How about if you're shopping and you buy some mac and cheese, but you go over three aisles and on the end cap, there's a different brand and it's like it's, it's a better deal. It's on sale. What do you do with the mac and cheese you already have? You put it back where it goes or you just swap it out for the one that's on sale? How many are going to swap it out for the one that's on sale? You jerks. All right, how many's going to put it back? <laughs> Listen, here's the deal. Here's the deal about being a follower of Jesus. We actually have the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. So when we're trying to look for these forgotten virtues and apply them in our lives and model them before our families, we're not doing it on our own. It's He who lives in us and supplies us with goodness and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, all the gifts of the Spirit and all the, the fruits of the Spirit. So you know what we need to do? We just need to listen. And so when, when, we're, when, it, when it's raining or in Gare County snowing, and, and, and we had to park a long way away, but we got this shopping cart, and you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit say, Dave, take it back. And I go, I don't want to take it back. I just want to put it right there. Dave, take it back. I don't want to put it back. It's snowing. I don't want to put it back. My ice cream is going to melt. Just listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and obey him. Sometimes simple obedience will even lead us to a miracle. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for bringing us here together. Thank you for your word. God, we see an example today of, of one man with so much integrity that he was able to be a great witness and bring salvation to someone who didn't know you. We see another man without that integrity. And, and God, there were dire consequences to pay. We want to be people of integrity who live to serve you and to serve others. We thank you for helping us do that. In Jesus' name, everybody said.